I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Whaler, Adweek's 2022 Creator Agency of the Year. What is the creator economy and why should you care? And how do creators in this new economy explain what they do to their families, their friends, but especially their banks? This is not a simple question. Even top creators have found that despite making millions of dollars, their banks have almost no understanding of audience metrics or how to value their businesses. That's where Carrot comes in. This fast-growing startup offers the Carrot Black Card, a credit card available only to creators. Today, we're talking with Carrot co-founder Eric Way to tell us why creators need Carrot, how they are supporting a new generation of content and community, and why so many high-profile creators are already on board. So welcome to this, our Show Me the Money edition of Everything is Better with Creators podcast. Roll the intro, please. Everything is Better with Creators, the podcast that takes a deep dive into all things creator economy. Produced and presented by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. With your hosts, Ashley Rudder, Emma Harmon, Jamie Goodfriend, and Marco Batozzi. Welcome to this episode of Everything is Better with Creators. I'm Jamie Goodfriend, your guide to all things happening in the creator economy. Every week, myself or my colleagues, Marco Petrazzi, Emma Harmon, or Ashley Rudder will be hosting this podcast. Coming up, we're getting right into this episode with our big interview with Eric Way from Carrot. If you want to learn about the finances driving creator credit, put the volume up and get ready to take some notes. Just a reminder that Everything is Better with Creators is brought to you by Whaler. The Whaler Way combines tech, talent, and creative social strategy to match brands with creators to produce authentic content that people really want to see. Whaler is democratizing the creative process for brands and creators by empowering a global talent network of thousands of influencers, tastemakers, creatives, and storytellers to connect you to your target audience, making advertising more inclusive, diverse, and effective. Check out more at Whaler. That's W-H-A-L-A-R dot com. And now it's time to bring up the headliner of the evening, Please welcome to the stage The Big Interview Everything is better with creators I am thrilled to have the opportunity to talk to Eric Way Who's one of the co-founders of Carrot Which for those of you who may or may not know are Is the leading and probably only 
credit card slash bank built for the creator economy. So I'm thrilled uh, I get to speak with Eric today. Eric, can you tell us a little bit about Carrot and how you've embarked upon this journey? First of all, Jamie, thank you so much for hosting. I am super excited to be here. The Very Quick Comics and Carrot. So exactly as you said, we're building better financial products for creator and media businesses. And our first launch is a business credit card that provides higher limits based off of social stats and financials instead of credit history. I know, at least when I explained that to my parents, they said, credit cards for YouTubers? <laughs> Why? <laughs> and where is this going? And I'm happy to chat a little bit more about it, but the top level is, yeah, if you're a YouTuber, you walk into a bank, doesn't matter how much you make and how many followers you have, they have no idea what you do for a business. And so many creators today actually struggle to get credit and learn how to handle the business side of being a creator. That's what we really want to help with. Well, you're not the only one whose parents don't understand what they do. Uh, and that's that's pretty uh, classic in this world of the creator economy. I do want to point out, interesting this year, TurboTax, and I, and I usually look at this, but this year was pretty interesting. After the tax season, they usually do a bit of an analysis on what trends they saw. And this year, they said that there was a 207% increase in people filing as a creator, as their full-time employment, and 47% of those people said it was their only source of income. So that means that being a creator, despite a credit card for creators moniker, it's a legit job. And I actually find when I talk to people in the industry, when you frame it as an entrepreneurial job that is creative, it gives them a little bit more context. But as you point out, banks don't get it. And for any entrepreneur, financing or at least having a line of credit is critical uh, to their success. What was the insight that led you to go down this path? I mean, how does somebody, uh, no offense, but you're you're not a... Um, you're not a gray-haired, uh, you know, old banker guy. Um, how does somebody decide that this is a path or an opportunity they want to follow? So a couple of thoughts. I think the first one is my previous experience was in finance. I studied economics at Harvard. I worked at Blackstone and Credit, and I worked in consulting at McKinsey where I built financial technology products. I absolutely loved it. I worked on Zelle, which is like real-time payments that people can send to each other. And the key insight I walked away there was like, you know, once upon a time, everything you would have done with a normal brick and mortar bank, right? Savings, lendings, payments, transfers, investing, you really had a choice of like five banks you go to that probably your parents set you up when you were younger. But in the past 10 years, past five years even, technology's changed to the point where everyone's now able to build financial applications that are sitting on top of the legacy banks. So now you get to specialize, you get to build better products focused for specific use cases like Venmo for payments or Robinhood for investings and Acorns for savings. And now even more so, it's not just even for specific pain points, it's for specific populations. So you've likely seen now there's like Brex and Ramp are financial products for startups. There's like Current and Step are focused on young adults and teenagers. There's people building financial products for immigrants and Uber drivers. And to your point on all these creators filing taxes, we said, well, here's a massive, super fast growing new business type, someone who can make a living with content and media, and no one's gone and built for them. Because the other half, it wasn't just my interest in the financial side, it was also coming from Instagram, 
where I built products for creators. I helped build Instagram Live. I helped build Instagram business and creator accounts. And I saw that these folks were blowing up, making six, seven figures with no concept of having to do any of this. Tax season would come and it'd just be, oh gosh, like I hope my mom, sister's fraternity brother can just help me out. I talked to a creator just the other day. She had a book deal with Random House where she launched a title that sold hundreds of thousands of copies and she wasn't even incorporated when she did it. And that very much was the realization for my co-founder, Will, who I met when he was a computer science master's student at Stanford. He previously worked at Goldman, starting and ran his own venture financing fund on let's go and build that financial infrastructure. Let's go and build the tooling that makes it easy for creators to understand how to handle the taxes and corporation credit side. And also, unlike existing banks today, understands them properly in term and gives them terms that make sense. So I'll pause there. We- uh, but I think it's so like banks don't get it. And I don't think people still understand what the creator economy means long term. And it's disrupting. I mean, that's such an overused phrase, but creators are disrupting things that people don't even realize. I mean, it's obviously they're, they're disrupting content. They're now we're obviously seeing how it is a way of disrupting financial, the financial world. Uh, financial literacy is is interesting. And it's disru- it's also disrupting the job market. I'm listening to you as an entrepreneur yourself. You and you and Will could have gone and stayed in sort of the, you know, high-end Goldman of the world. And yet here you are doing your own thing as an entrepreneur. I, I mean, it's a it's an amazing time for people with independent ideas and opportunities, but it's also a a challenge, I think, for institutional investors and institutional companies for keeping this kind of talent engaged. I don't know, how does anybody keep the best, the brightest involved? I mean, that's a whole other topic, but I think if you can pave the way, you're so you're single-handedly stealing talent that would have otherwise probably gone to... uh, a legit, you know, sort of a traditional job because you're enabling them to be creators at scale. That's a, so you're, you're doing a great thing and a scary thing. <laughs> I mean, you really get it. I think of it as very existential. Everyone comes on their earth and they're like, what's my purpose? What's my calling? And so many of us, there's things we find when we're kids that we really, really like to do. And then one day, at least for me, right, my parents came out and they're like, yeah, it's like awesome that you love to play video games, but you need to find a real job, right? Now is the time to put away childish things. You're going to have to go to school. You're going to get a stable, financially supportive job. And, you know, you can do your fun stuff in your free time. What's really fascinating is over the past few years, as technology has improved and made it easier, people now more and more so get and want to live their passions. In a way, being a creator, it's being an entrepreneur who's pursuing their passion in the truest sense. That's why there's such a wide variety of different types of creators, right? We work with some who are chess grandmasters, others who are experts in cooking, some who are automobile specialists, and it's just everyone's now thanks to all these new platforms like YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram. It's like whatever that passion is, I found a way to convey it to others at scale, to entertain, to inspire, to educate them. And now thanks to the work of what you're doing in companies like you, they can support themselves doing it too. So I think very much the nature of work is beginning to shift 
where people more and more, when they're able to support their own independent paths, they're going to do it. And I think, you know, that's something you and I have in common. You're helping them make a living, make this into a career. And we in turn are really focused on, okay, cool. Now that they're able to make this career and be a business, what are the financial products this new generation of businesses needs? Because yes, to your point, a lot of the legacy institutional banks and financial groups, they haven't yet caught on because it is really new and nascent. I'm going to circle back to the creator economy in general in a minute, but I want to talk, let's go a little bit deeper into your products and services because I was spending a little time doing some research and I actually found an unboxing video for Carrot, which I don't normally think about in a financial product, but that just shows that you're obviously operating in the culture, not the category, which I think is the sign of a successful business. Tell me about the customer journey when somebody applies, then all the way to the personalized credit card. Just can you explain for our audience, what does that mean and what is that like? Your customer service is obviously a key thing. I'll first talk about it from the creator perspective. And second, I'll talk about how it makes sense and how we make it work on the business side. So from the creator POV, there's not only a problem where creators are walking into financial institutions and really getting subpar service, one of our creators is named Ludwig. And he previously was one of the biggest Twitch streamers in the world. He's since moved to YouTube. He's been written about in the New York Times because he did a series last year where he's streaming 24 seven. You could log in and watch him sleep, eat and shower. It was very much like Truman Show, but real. And he's hugely successful. Twitch had a leak around earnings potentials and Ludwig makes millions just off of that alone. The funny thing is we work with him because I saw on camera, he was trying to purchase subs and items and his card was getting declined because he had a limit of like $10,000. <laughs> and so for many creators, the journey starts because they're literally just trying to get something that works. And they're just like, I don't understand why I walk into a bank and I'm making seven figures and they treat me like I have nothing. And the other part of it, this is a case where at least they tried for so many creators they don't even know that they should be thinking about this. They're not sitting down and thinking through, hey, like, what's the best credit card? What's the best bank? What's the best tax provider? They're focused on content and monetization and followers. They're thinking about all those other things 5% of the time. So we've worked with creators who are making more than $10 million a year, and they didn't even have credit cards or know what they were. So in a way, we're not really trying to win mindshare against all the other financial institutions out there. We're trying to be a new category defining and educating product where we go out to creators and say, you might not have thought about this before, but eventually you're going to have to. And all the creators you work with and follow already use us genuinely. So it's not just about, I try to get a card or I try to get a mortgage. I try to get a car loan. The limits were bad. It's also just, here's somebody that you can trust. So what that means from a business piece is, the majority of our growth is organic. When you go onto our Instagram and you see all these creators making these unboxing videos and stories, some of the biggest creators in the world doing this, it's all because they want to, because they think it's cool and they want to share, hey, someone finally gets what I'm doing and I'm a real creator. That, of course, is something all other creators are tracking. They see it. They might reach out to us, they might see a story, we might reach out to them. And it's really that social validation where a lot of times they'll go and actually DM the creators we work with and they'll say like, hey, do you actually use this? And it's like, yeah, you know, it's not a brand deal. They genuinely want to use Carrot. And I think if you're gonna 
think about how do you reach the most desirable demographic and population in the world? It has to come from a place of extreme trust and credibility. And so it wasn't just from a customer journey perspective. They learn about it because they had an issue with the bank or they don't know what to do and they see their friends do it. It's also what drives their acquisition. A lot of this organic behavior to the extent where it's precisely because we don't spend on marketing that we're able to really budget in higher rewards. Because when you give high rewards to top creators, they're going to talk about you organically anyways. Yeah, I mean, you have an unlimited potential to go very far because you're based on trust. And it's kind of amazing because right now, whenever we look at research and data, the the level of trust among younger consumers with financial institutions, government, the media has never been lower. And yet you are of the people, by the people, for the people. And again, it's also on a parallel path. It's a it's a lesson, and this is a marketing 101 lesson in the creator economy. Um, and we talk about it at Whaler, which is this is an opportunity to create the content in partnership with the communities that you most want to reach. And that is the ultimate, that's why we say it's like, you know, it's the ultimate word of mouth at scale. And it's based on trust. And that is not something that you can market. You have to actually earn that. And it's very hard for a lot of traditional brands to understand how to make that pivot. They're not used to it. They're used to buying eyeballs, buying attention. And then this is earning attention, which is, it's a longer process, but it's so powerful. And I love what you just said. Hadn't even thought about it since you're like Costa Rica that has no army so they can spend on their infrastructure. You're a company that spends no money on marketing so you can feed that benefit, those benefits back to the cardholders or your members. That's that's an incredibly big advantage. That's exactly right. And we very much think of it, it's a different sort of playbook, right? How do you earn trust and attention? Well, we think a lot when we invest our marketing dollars into what's going to just make a creator extremely excited and happy. And so, for example, we recently in Times Square in West Hollywood did a billboard campaign where we went to our creators and we said, hey, you're a cardholder, you're a member of Carrot. Here's a benefit for you. We'll feature you on a billboard. And what's so cool is we do this and these creators, they would literally go and fly out to capture that moment as content. In fact, if you just go to our Instagram today, at TryCurit, you can see some of our stories are literally extremely popular creators just going and saying, wow, I'm featuring a billboard. This feels really special and creating content out of that. And so for me, that's the genuine way when you think about how do you invest in earning trust? It's not like, you know, let me run out and run XYZ ads or activations. It's, well, if I just go and purchase these really awesome experiences for creators and feature them in a special way, they're going to make content out of that organically anyways. And it's actually from their POV, they feel so much more genuine about it because we don't even ask them to, right? It's just something they want to do. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
So on a side note, though, since we have a lot of brands and agencies that are our audience here, how would you recommend a, a brand start to work with creators? One of the things that you know, we hear a lot of creators talking to brands and brands talking with creators. That's what we do all day. And the conversation typically goes something like the creator will say, don't tell me what to do. Don't give me a very prescriptive brief. And the brands say, but it's my brand. I need to give you a bit of direction. And I'm, I'm oversimplifying because many of them have nuances there. But what have you seen as a best practice in, in sort of that balance? And how do you reconcile that as, as a creator and as a brand? I think that tension is extremely important and lends itself to different outcomes in different situations. Because the ultimate way you resolve it is essentially with investing in the relationship, right? The more time you put into genuinely connecting with the creator and understanding their content and building that trust and excitement with them, of course, the higher quality creatives you're going to have with less direction, right? There's sort of a concept that I believe in. It's like alignment and agency. And it applies not only to within a company, but to working with creators. The more aligned you are with somebody, the more agency you can give them. The less aligned you are, the less agency. Now, the reason why I say is there's a tension because let's be honest, there's going to be times where you're not going to have all of that time to invest, right? Either your team or the timeline. And there's going to be moments where you will have to make that trade-off where it's like, look, I'm not going to be able to go and build as genuine of a relationship. And so it's okay. I think it's really a frontier of trade-offs on that agency and alignment piece. And I think there's going to be times where you say, you know, I don't have time to align as much, so I am going to have to give more direction. And that's okay. It doesn't mean it's not necessarily going to succeed as well. It will be harder. And I do think the ultimate best activations are where you're able to super align and give them tons of agency to go and do it, but like it's going to happen. And so then I think it's very much about you thinking through, given limited times and resources, which are the creators that for your audience are going to be the most impactful where you do want to focus on building that relationship and aligning really, really early, right? Um, for example, Colin and Samir, some of my favorite creators that we work with, they are extremely specialized on producing content for other creators or another creator we work with named Tejas Holur, who's a TikTok creator, very similar to Colin Samir, but on TikTok. When you look at from a raw numbers POV, you might be like, oh, cool. Well, like XYZ person has millions more. And no, if you're trying to target creators, you got to go to these two because that's what their audience is entirely comprised of. So you're a creator-focused company. That's where you want to focus on building the relationship. I think that's a really important point. Um, and it also speaks to the idea of having a always-on creator strategy as opposed to a transactional one-off creator campaign. And we are seeing a, many more brands starting to build longer term relationships with a group of creators so that if there is sort of a quick turn required, you've already invested that briefing, that time, you get to know each other and you know how to work. Uh, and also having more of a 360 strategy where creators are not relegated to just quote unquote social video channels. We've seen really smart strategic deals with brands that are using creator content as part of their content production strategy, uh, as live events, uh, as for earned media, for DE&I, as a research group. And I think this is the maturation of the industry is really being able to tap into what creators do beyond just transactionally promoting a product. 
We have also seen, and, and our one of my co-hosts, Ashley Rudder, talks about this a fair amount, is that for brands, working with creators is obviously they, they deserve and they want to get paid and that's their job and they should. But there are many things that brands can do to help them build their careers. And that could be giving them studio time, giving them equipment, giving them access to financial literacy. And as I'm listening to you, it just strikes me that that is another piece of a brand partnership is helping creators evolve their career as, as a partner. Just like I think with an athlete, when a when Nike gives an athlete extra equipment and access to you know a lot of merchandise, it's it's helping them in a, in a lot of ways and it's helping the brand. It's not a it's it's not a nonprofit effort. Are you seeing any trends in terms of income and um, you know in terms of how creators are starting to structure deals, um, any best practices? I don't know if you you get involved in that because I know for example, one of the things that we're seeing that is logical, but pointing it out is that as creators get more successful and their income grows, their expenses grow, their, as their audience grows, if they're going to do more frequency of content, they might have to build a team around them. So it changes their deal structure. Anything that you're seeing that you could advise to brands or people listening in terms of uh, direction or trends or smart business that you're aware of? Seen a lot of creators speak to us about is actually on faster payments where traditionally maybe net 30, net 60, net 90. And we've had creators actively come and express to us, hey, like I wish I could be paid out right away. Usually deriving from one of two different reasons. The first is there are creators for whom that working capital actually matters. And having money in the bank earlier does help them produce content faster, which is extremely important to them. Second, there are creators for whom the working capital piece matters because they're just doing so well financially, which, you know, kudos to them, but they still care because they find it really hard to track all of the different payments and campaigns that they've done across this brand and this payment method and so on. And so for them, they also care about the speed because it's just less time that they need to mentally hold on to this and think about it. Right. And so both of those two slightly different reasons, which different types of creators have, it does highlight, you know, there's a real pain point. And, you know, people are absolutely thinking through this already, but it is something that we have heard creators express to us around just making it faster and easier. Which makes sense in our environment, but it's it's interesting because brand models are usually 60 days, maybe even 90 days. And we we hear that a lot from our creators. Uh, I I wonder, is is Carrot thinking about some kind of new product that will enable creators to have access to cash faster? Very much so. Our vision from the start hasn't just been credit cards for creators. It's actually been financial infrastructure. Everything around the movement of money, which isn't just being able to spend out via cars, is also being paid faster. It's also having a place to keep it. And we really, though, for our approach, believed in slow and steady and building that trust from the creator side first before launching a more full set of financial products and services. And when we thought about what's the best way to wedge into a creator's workflow, we tried actually tax products, we tried QuickBooks, we actually tried faster payments too before, but they always ran into a barrier of like, again, assume your creator has like 1% of their day to like figure this out and think about it. And if they're not familiar, they're just not going to go for it. And we found the card worked because it was a concept they were high level familiar with. 
and it's very physical to have a car. You can share it around. You can see other people use it and build that social credibility in a way that you can't with just software. And so very much our thinking and focus for this first phase was, yeah, we want to build a financial product that not only helps build our underwriting model, because we're learning how these creators' financials and socials mash up, but also builds us that trust so we can go and layer on these other financial services in the future. In the same way that Square started with, hey, you're a mom and pop brick and mortar coffee shop. Here's a little square piece of plastic that helps you accept payments. And from there, they went into Square Up, which is bookkeeping accounting tools, into Square Capital, which is capital to help you launch and expand your business, and eventually into Cash App. It was very much a slower progression that eventually all boil over and really killed it. And that's very much how we think about our mission and strategy too. And are you seeing, uh, because if you think about where the creator economy and creators are moving their businesses, it's not just the creation of content. They are brands, they are businesses, they're building, you know, brick and mortar businesses, they're creating merch, they're creating IP. Are you helping them finance these dreams or these projects? Yeah, absolutely. One of our favorite creators, Graham Stefan, He's a financial YouTuber. And off the strength of his loyalty and audience, he launched his own coffee line, Bankroll Coffee. When he first launched it, he did really, really well in sales. And Shopify was actually very slow to release those payments to him because, again, it's a new model people are catching up to that, you know, one day you just launch your product and you go, boom, it makes sense if you're a creator. But most normal businesses don't have that dynamic. So Shopify was a little like, what, what's going on? And so we already had spun up cards for his personal channel, so we spun up more cards for his coffee business. And on that, he was able to just go and continue purchasing inventory and keeping it going until the Shopify payments came through. So, yeah, absolutely. We're very much seeing the evolution of a lot of different creators into businesses in different lines of revenue or products and services. And as brands, you know, listen to when we talk about this, they, they, they always talk, oh, what do they know about supply chain? What do creators know about building a brand. It takes so much work. It's so hard. How do you respond? How do you help educate brands on why this is working? As you said, they just go boom. That's not exactly Harvard um, terminology for growth. What? How would you explain why it's so powerful? I think two points. I think the first point is like any business, there's absolutely a wide range in interesting capabilities where some creators actually started their work thinking of it as like, I'm a business whose product happens to be content. And they very much have always wanted to get into supply chain. We work with one creator, Elliot Choi. He literally sources his blanks himself for his merchandise and clothing apparel line and like actually dives into supply chain and he loves it and he's good at it, right? And yes, there are creators for whom they've always approached us from a content POV first. Hey, I want to just make this and put it out there and for whom the business part is secondary. And then for them, their superpower is more around, well, they build a brand that really resonates with people and there's all this potential energy and interest. And for them, it's about, okay, cool. How do they find that right partner to take care of actualizing into the business operations and supply chain? Because that's not necessarily where they want to or should be spending their time. So here, Point. Yeah, I do think it varies, right? And creators absolutely are different across their interests and where they came from. I will say the high level, like what makes, you know, quote, sales go boom is people want to know what to try and buy from the beginning of time. And they have always listened to what other people have told them. And especially in an environment where institutional trust in governments and brands has fallen, there's a very human desire to feel like you can trust 
your friend or someone who you see and feel is a friend in a very parasocial way. And that's really the best creators. They've built that organic connection and meaningful relationship with their followers where it does feel like, hey, I'm coming to you as a friend and you should go and try this. Um, that's from a very anecdotal, but you can also see this just from a top-down market POV. You've probably noticed like in China, the live shopping market is tremendous, right? It's billions and billions of dollars. It's the main channel through which brands sell things. And in America, it's been slower in the Western world. It's starting to catch up. And people often sit down and they try and analyze like, why is live shopping, live streaming such a bigger thing in these Asian markets in China? And it actually, again, comes to your point on trust. In China, people had a much lower bar of trust to start with around governments and brands. So for them, the only way they were going to buy something was if their friend and neighbor came along and said, you should try this. And in America, we've actually benefited from much higher level of trust. And recently that's begun to change. And so I think that's perfectly correlated actually with the increase and rise now in creator-driven commerce and the beginnings of a live shopping market here in the States too, because it is more and more so like, well, you know, I can trust so-and-so. I have not heard that explanation and that's such a great insight. So the idea that the Chinese market did not trust institutional recommendations and so they were already relying on person-to-person or community-based recommendations gave them a head start in terms of why social shopping is so rapidly ta- has taken over the economy. That's that's really interesting. Whereas I think in Western markets, many consumers, many audiences are have been slower to, to address the fact that they don't trust a traditional advertisement as it has been deployed in its sort of six second, 30 second dynamic right structure. And we are seeing that over and over again. We're actually coming out with some research about this. And I think there's there's two other things that are uh, interesting. I'd love to get your thoughts on. One, and I have heard this as a global phenomenon, is that for a long time, the world was the consumer, brands expected consumers to aspire. They wanted something that they didn't have. They were so much more aspirational. And what we've started to see is the shift from aspiration to belonging. And what is more satisfying is feeling like you're part of a community where people have their shared passions because it then gives you trust and you have that tribal or community-driven dynamic, which is built around a shared passion, whether that's music or food or whatever, the financial information, whatever it might be that the creator does. Uh, any any observations on that point? Yeah, very much so. I've always thought about it in the framework of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? At the very bottom, in the beginning, like all you want is just to live. You just want like food and water (laughs) just to survive. And as time goes on, you start to develop more needs around friendship. And eventually you get to like self-actualization. And I think what we've really seen is in like recent times, like, wow, life has been hard. Like, as an entire world, we've just gone through a historic pandemic that's caused real and lasting effects on us, not only physically, but mentally. I think you can think of it as the world's spirit has taken a blow. And I think that's why you saw during the pandemic, people really gravitated to creators and content and to exactly what you alluded to. Suddenly on the massless hierarchy of needs, like, gosh, oh my 
I'm not getting that sense of connection and community that I might have had before or I might have taken for granted. I feel more scared. I feel more afraid. I need and want to find that sense of belonging and connection. And so I think that's why, to your point on that brand consumer relationship, you've seen that. And that is really why you saw so many creators really come into the limelight during the pandemic, because when you were at home and you couldn't leave, the only way you could connect with people is through online and through content. And my Gen X, uh, very transactional commercial sense, art, science, but you know, art and commerce. Uh, when I look at this and I think, okay, when we talk to brands, part of what we're trying to articulate to them is that to reach consumers and audiences today, you have to become an invited guest within their community because otherwise you will not be able to speak with them. But if you can figure out how to do that, it's an unbelievably uncluttered, welcome environment. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying before is you have to build a relationship with a creator. You have to give them trust, respect, alignment and agency, which I will borrow because I love that phrase. I love I, That's a really great thing. It's a It's something that I think brands are starting to get but have not globally captured this because they're still thinking mass audience, mass reach. And community by community is a bit more challenging. And we found ways to do that at scale. But do creators talk about it? Do creators talk about brands being able to be invited into their community? Do you hear discussions about that? Every creator wants and is aware that, hey, I'm building a brand and as I'm building the community of people who care about me and my brand, anything that helps them strengthen the connection between their brand and community is valuable. And sometimes that can be in collaboration with another brand because that other party is coming in with an additional deep connection to that creator's audience. And it's like a remix. It's like both of them share that bond and now here there's something new. It's like when you have two friends, right? And suddenly you find out when you bring them together for the first time that they also know each other. You're like, wait, this is amazing. Like now we can all be friends together. And so I think there's something to be said when you're a creator and you have a connection with your audience and you find another brand that you're just really excited about and you think has also their relationship with their audience that's similar to yours, but different at the same time. And you get to do it all together. Like, wow, right? I think, you know, one of my favorite creators who's blown up, especially in Panama, is Tinks, right? And she has not done a ton. Yeah, he's very familiar. Absolutely. And, you know, she did something, I believe, like with Erwan, right? And I think that's just a case where I spoke with um, their chief growth officer. That's just a case where, like, there's just such alignment between each of those brands and their audiences where the partnership just makes so much sense. It's like a group friendship. Yeah, that's... That was a, that's such a great alignment. And I think one of the, the cautionary um, advice that we give to brands is don't think of creators as paid actors or actresses. They're not speaking lines. And I like, and I hadn't really thought about saying it this way, but they are their own brands. So just like you would do a collab with another brand is how to think of creators as opposed to some of them are like, that's why the briefing part is so weird for creators because they don't view themselves as talent in, in terms of paid actors. They view themselves as a brand. And I think that's a really interesting insight. My God, you've just blown my mind as we've, as we've gone through this. And I'd love to see where we are in six months or so. So 
before we go, anything, whether it's in the financial space, the infrastructure, the creator economy, anything that you're seeing that you feel is what's next on the horizon that you're starting to say, oh, I bet in three months, six months, three weeks, this is going to be the next thing, or this is an evolution of a, is it live shopping? Is it AR commerce? What, what are you starting to see that you're excited about? Yeah, I think about it at the end of the day, change happens usually because one or both of two things happens, like one technology changes, right? Like in a way that's what helped foment the increase of creators in the first place. The fact that like Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and so on, Snapchat even like was a thing, like that's a technological change that made it so much easier for people to get media out there. The second though is a cultural change in terms of what people believe or how they view things, right? And I think thematically it's that second change we're going to really see increased mainstream awareness of creators as exactly as serious brands in their own right, not just entertainers and serious businesses. And we've already begun to see this, right? Like at the Met Gala, they finally started to invite creators in the past few years, right? And I used to say, she's been quoted as like, I would never let YouTuber drop dead come near this. And you know, nope. MKPHD was there. Mark Rober was there. Emma Chamberlain. People across all demographics and ages are beginning to realize like, oh, wow, like this is a real thing, even outside of our world with creators and brands. And yeah, I think that's going to translate to increased efficacy of using creators as channels in order to help boost your brand's awareness and increased activity from creators in really trying to solidify their own brands and launch their own products. I think you're going to see this dynamic of how do we work together in this new world? Like in a world where creators more and more so are like, I'm going to just do this myself. What's the value I can bring as a brand that, hey, you're not going to have if you try and do this yourself. It's something I uniquely have very much in that sort of group friendship alignment piece. I bring something that even strengthens relationship between you and your followers even more because I have that connection with your followers too. It's no longer just like, well, I exist and you can't do this without me. Because a lot of creators are getting to the point where it's like, mm, maybe they could. And I think it's navigating that new relationship that is going to be really important coming forward. Well, thank you, Eric, for spending your time. It's been amazing. And we look forward to uh, hearing from Carrot and watching you guys succeed. Thanks for uh, joining us on Everything is Better with Creators. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard and will come along with us as we navigate this journey to the promised land of the creator economy. Make sure to subscribe or follow our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to listen to audio. And of course, we'd love a rating and review if you get the opportunity. A special thanks to Eric Way for joining us. Make sure to check out more from Whaler and all things at the intersection of talent, partnerships, technology, and creativity at whaler.com. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. For Everything is Better with Creators, I'm Jamie Goodfriend. We'll catch you next time. Better with Creators is produced by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. Learn more at whaler.com.
Adweek's 2022 Creator Agency of the Year.